Today's message was recorded live at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church of Louisville, Kentucky, a safe environment where people relationships become kingdom relationships. Find us online at www.friendlychurch.com. the 2,000-year-old story that can change your life today is the story of the story of Jesus. As I was listening to and watching that video this week, I thought that was the best one that I could find that captures the entire story of Jesus from eternity into eternity, from Genesis to Revelation and beyond. I was doing a reading assignment this week when I ran across this statement of a Christian thinker. And she said this, The liberating power in the person of Jesus comes from his vision he had in his earthly ministry rather than at the cross. I immediately reacted 
in my mind to that statement. And I pondered about it. What part of the story of Jesus I consider more important for me? How about you? What part or parts of the Jesus story is more important to you? Let's bow our heads. Gracious Father, thank you. Thank you for challenging us again to think of what you have done for us. Thank you for bringing us again, we're told, to the greatest story ever written, the story of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will inspire my words. And I'm, as I'm attempting to present this story to my people today, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. The story of Jesus. Can you think with me? Can you think with me for a few minutes? What part of the story of Jesus do you consider most important? What part of the story do you consider most important? The birth of Jesus? The life and teachings of Jesus? The sufferings of Jesus? The death of Jesus? The resurrection of Jesus? Or maybe the accession of Jesus? The heavenly sanctuary ministry of Jesus, as we understand it, as a seven-day Adventists, Or the second coming of Jesus. That's why we call ourselves seven-day Adventists. What part of Jesus' story is most important to you? Well, thank you for pondering on this question. But to be honest with you, this is the wrong question to ask. Is there anything in Jesus' story that is more important than the other? Will there be any story of Jesus if the Word who was in the beginning with God, the Word who is God, will there be any story if this Word did not become flesh? Who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to His own advantage. Rather, He made Himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human, human likeness. That's Philippians 2, verses 6 and 7. Will, will there be any story of Jesus without 
Emmanuel. Will there be any story of Jesus without the birth of baby Jesus in a manger in Bethlehem? Addressing the shepherds on the fields, the angel, the angel addressed them and said, You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth goodwill toward men. Yay! Jesus is born. Heaven is happy. Will there be any story of Jesus? Without the manger of Bethlehem who received baby Jesus. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, says John. The glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1.14. And Luke speaks about Jesus' youth and young adult years. Luke 2:52 and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with men. Speaking of Jesus' life, Peter wrote that he left us an example of living. Leaving us an example that you should follow his footsteps who committed no sin. No sin, S-I-N, nor was deceit found in his mouth. 1 Peter 2, 22. And Jesus, who is the Lamb of God, offers you his righteousness so that when judgment day comes, you and I have nothing to worry about. His life of righteousness covers your life and you're presenting yourself before God just as if you've never sinned. You're justified through Jesus' life. Is Jesus' life important? Yes, it is. Now, at the end of his life, Jesus suffered a lot. Why? How important are Jesus' sufferings for you and me this morning? Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, chapter 53, verses 4 and 5, gives us the answer. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for for what? For our transgressions. He was bruised. For what? For our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace. We want to have peace, right? The chastisement for our peace was on him. And by his stripes... 
we are healed. Whenever I read Isaiah 53, I get emotional. My friend, our healing, spiritual, emotional, and physical, comes through the sufferings of Jesus. How important are Jesus' sufferings to you? Isaiah says, by his stripes we are healed. Philippians 2, 8, 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. If we want to know how important is the cross, Jesus' death on the cross, we need to know what has happened, what Jesus obtained on that cross as a man like you and me. Jesus got a double victory on the cross. And we're going to come back to this because this Easter weekend, it's important to know what happened at the cross. And after Jesus died on the cross, he was taken by Joseph of Arimathea down off the cross and through his generosity, Jesus was embalmed and set in a tomb. The good news is, Jesus is not in a tomb today. He, was, he is alive. We serve a risen Savior. His tomb is empty. What would Jesus' birth mean to our salvation if he would have stayed in the grave? His life would have been a heroic life, but his death would have been the end of it. No hope beyond the grave. But Jesus defeated death. Paul says, I tell you a mystery. What mystery is he talking about? The mystery of resurrection. And my favorite Bible verse ever since my father passed away, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 from 51 all the way to 57. I'll quote just four verses. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 51, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. And Pam read this verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 55, O death, where is your victory. Or death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The tomb is empty. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. The mystery, my friends, has already happened. The tomb is empty. My friend, if you're here or if you're watching and you wonder about the end of this life, you wonder if there is no hope beyond this life, I want to tell you today that Jesus in his resurrection brings us hope beyond the grave. There is life. Well, there not just life, life eternal. Because if Jesus died and raised but remained on earth again, wouldn't our hope end there? Jesus ascended to heaven. How important is that to you that he ascended to heaven? And he not just ascended to heaven, Jesus serves in the heavenly sanctuary. Hebrews 8 verses 1 and 2. Now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest, speaking of Jesus, who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. A minister with capital M. A minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. He's speaking here about the heavenly sanctuary. In chapter 9 verses 11, 12 and 15. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is not of this creation, not here on earth, in other words. And now he's saying in verse 12, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. And you scroll down two verses down, Hebrews 9, verse 15, and for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant. And I want to ask you this morning, is Jesus' job as mediator in the heavenly sanctuary important to your salvation? Is Jesus' second coming important to you? Well, you will say, then, Pastor Marius, why are we even here today? We want to be and we want to live with Jesus one day, don't we? So, what part of the Jesus' story is most or more important to you? Well, we know that's not the right question to ask. Everything Jesus did, everything Jesus did, all of his story is equally important to us, to our salvation. This weekend, though, we celebrate the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And because it is Easter weekend, I want to draw your attention again 
to the cross. Uh, I went to a retreat a few weeks ago um, with the cross ministry. Uh, men at the cross, they have women at the cross, they have couples at the cross. It's everything, all we can spend at the cross. Why is the cross of Jesus important to us? What really happened on the cross? In the Garden of Eden, right after the fall, God gave humanity the first promise. God gave humanity the first promise. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. My friends, at the cross, Jesus strikes the devil's head. He blows him away by doing what was unthinkable for the devil. See, what was unthinkable was that Jesus, the Son of God, who was one with God from the beginning, it was unthinkable to the devil that Jesus, the Son of God, would become flesh and that he would become human. And after living a sinless life, it was unthinkable to the devil that he would offer himself to die the death you and I deserve. See, he never thought that would happen. Jesus offered and needed to do that for you and me. Why? Romans 6.23. You all know this passage. You all know this Bible verse, Romans 6.23. Why did Jesus do that? For the wages of sin is death. See, no matter how good you will be from now on, no matter how righteous you consider yourself to be, even if you will never sin again in your life because you have already sinned, the only way to pay for that sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And the Apostle Paul is confirming that we all, we all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 There is no one on planet earth who did not sin. So the only direction for all of us, well, actually the only direction we're going into is to be eternally lost, to eternally perish, to eternally die for the wages of sin is death but Paul says but de he says in Greek which means but is a contrasting preposition and I love it but the gift see wages of sin is death but here is the contrast Paul says the, but the gift of God is what? Gift of God is eternal life. My friend, the hope we have in eternal life is real. It is promised. 
Just like the promise of the strike of the devil's head happened at the cross, so is the promise of eternal life. The death of Jesus on the cross was real historical fact. And so the promise of eternal life will be a real historical fact. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6, 23. Notice how eternal life is promised. Not apart from Jesus. I want you to see this. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I looked on Bible Hub. When you go on BibleHub.com, it compares verse by verse. So you can have as many versions as you want. And it's either in or through, meaning the same thing. Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. And we learned this a few weeks ago. That the connector, the one who connects us with the vine to abide in Jesus is, who is? The Holy Spirit. Jesus abides in us and we abide in Jesus through the Holy Spirit. When that happens, it is Jesus in us, living in us and through us. He is not apart from us. Well, he can be apart from us if we don't ask to be filled with his spirit. But when we are filled with his spirit, he abides in us and we abide in him. Notice again, Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. How? In Christ Jesus. My friend. You and I will have eternal life, not apart from Jesus. We will only have eternal life when we abide in Christ Jesus. So Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sins and your sins. He died on the cross, the death we deserve because of our sins. Our sins were placed on Jesus, Isaiah says. And he paid the price for our disobedience, Isaiah 53, 5. He was wounded for what? For our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. That is why at one point on the cross, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Matthew 27, 46. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? At that moment, he was dying the death of the God-forsaken sinner. Jesus experienced what would mean for a sinner who will never be converted to be separated completely from God. But Jesus took our sins and death and he gives us his righteousness and eternal life. Great exchange, isn't it? It is only possible 
because of his death on the cross. Jesus did all. And when you accept what he did for you and me on the cross, we accept his righteousness and we become justified. Like I said before, someone said, we become just as if I'd never sinned justified. That's what justified means. Having Jesus dying for your sin and accepting that true fact, you are justified. But that's one aspect, one victory on the cross. And there is more to it. The effect of the cross in your life has significance for your past and significance for your future. And I'm not talking about distant future. We always think about heaven. No, I'm talking about this afternoon. Tomorrow and every day until he comes again. And what is that? So Jesus died for your sins you have committed. He washed them all away. That's one side of the story. One victory. The other is, think with me. When Jesus died on the cross for your sin, he also broke the power of your sins over you. That's the second victory. On the cross, Jesus, your Savior and my Savior, broke the power of our sinful nature. And Peter understood this when he wrote in 1 Peter 2.24. He said, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you are healed. Can you see it, my friends? Can you hear it? Can you see it? By his stripes you are healed from the power of sin. Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 6 verse 6, he says this, Knowing this, that our old man or woman was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves of sin my friend on the cross Jesus paid for your sin and on the cross Jesus broke the power of sins over you and he offers you his victory over your sins. That's what it means to be sanctified by Jesus and through Jesus. Now the good news, my friend, I'm speaking to all of us and certainly to evangelical community, us included. Because many Christians today believe and accept the justification, the washing away of our sins. But not many people that I'm aware of talk about this, the second victory, which is just as good and probably offers more hope to us. 
And that is the sanctification part. The good news for you and me today is to understand and to believe that Jesus won two victories on the cross. One victory was the dying for the penalty of your sin and giving you his righteousness, and that's justification. The other victory is that on the cross, he broke the power of your, uh, of your sins, and now you abide in him and he in you is not you, but Jesus lives his righteous life through you. Can you believe that? It's hopeful. That's why Paul said, Paul understood this when he said, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Wow. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for your sins and he broke the power of the sinful nature of every broken part of your life. I know it's hard to believe, but we need faith. Because we need hope. Paul said that all, that our old man is crucified with him. That's in Romans 6 verse 6. That means that the unloving you, the unforgiving you, the angry you, the lustful you, the anxious you, and the list can go on and on. The old you died on the cross with Jesus. It means that you do not have to be controlled by your unloving attitudes. You do, not, you do not have to be controlled by your unforgiveness. You do not have to be controlled by your anger, your lust, your anxiety, and your sinful desires. No. The power of these sinful desires and attitudes and behaviors is broken on the cross. My friends, that's the best news you can receive today. And that can be the reality of your life if you believe it. If you accept that all of these things were crucified with Jesus on the cross, and if you believe and accept Him living in you and through you from now on, you are a winner with Jesus today. Jesus' second victory on the cross can be yours today. The truth is that the power of our sinful nature is broken at the cross and it's very important for us to know and to believe it. And we need to remember that we have no ability in and within ourselves to obey God. Even though, even though the overwhelming influence of our sinful nature is broken at the cross. Simply knowing this truth up here is not enough. There is only one way we can have victory over, over temptation and sin. And that is when we let Jesus, when we let Jesus live his victory in and through us. Because it is not our victory. We don't need to be added to our efforts. It's his victory. Remember, the gift of God is eternal life 
in Christ Jesus. He gives us his victory. So today's service is special because today, for the very first time, at least for the time that I've been here, I don't know if anybody remembers anything else, but this is for the very first time that on an Easter weekend we have communion on Easter Sabbath. Because, you know, in the past, pre-COVID times, now we can have like, you know, B.C. and A.D., we can say pre-COVID, post-COVID. <laughs> Pre-COVID times, we used to have an agape service. And we would come and we would uh, have a communion service, Lord's Supper there. But today, you and I have a special opportunity to commune with our Lord and Savior. See, when Jesus instituted a communion service, he gave us an example to follow. He said, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. So what did Jesus do? He first humbled himself and washed his disciples' feet as a symbol of washing away their sins. Then they ate the bread, which was unleavened bread, without yeast, since yeast was the symbol of sin, and they drank unfermented juice. Again, fermentation symbolizes sin. The unleavened bread and the pure juice represents the body and the blood of Jesus who was without sin. We normally have foot washing service uh, right before of partaking when people get to humble themselves and wash each other's feet. Men and women, men, men with men and women with women or married couples. That's a time of humility, asking for forgiveness of everything we've done wrong to each other or to God. It is a time of reflection. Pam and I demonstrated this to you last Sabbath, if you remember. Due to COVID restrictions, we will not have the food washing service today. Instead, we will take a few minutes We'll take a few minutes of, of reflection time. Uh, and what I'll invite you to do is to reflect, to reflect on your life. And come to God at the foot of the cross. If you want to come up here, that's fine too. Come to God and tell Him what is it that is on your heart that you know is not good between you and him or between you and somebody else in your family, maybe in your family, you know. I, I said that last week, those we love most, we hurt most. Maybe it's time to, to ask for forgiveness and uh, to reflect. And if there are sins that we don't know, we just say, Lord, please forgive me for the sins I can't remember or I don't know. And you know, I forgot to 
um, to, to add the, the music on this, but that's okay, because I think we need a quiet time. We don't, we don't have much quiet time these days, no more. So it's okay, it's okay. I, I, I meant to, to put that, but I think the spirit worked it well, because I think we need, we need a few minutes of reflection where we can have complete silence. So let's reflect for a few moments, for a few minutes, and then we'll get back together and um, we will continue with the blessing over the emblems and then with partaking of the emblems. I'm going to invite the elders to come up for the prayer. And while they are coming up, <clears throat> I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 26, as Paul writes to the Corinthian church, relating the story of the Lord's Supper. And uh, I hope that all of you have gotten a communion kit like this. And I will be reading the passage. We will have prayer. And then I'm going to invite you to partake with me from the emblems. These are specially made for these times that we live in. So if you peel the, the first part, it will open and uh, you will access the bread part, what we call the bread, the body of Jesus. And we'll partake of that first. And then if you peel the second time, then it will open and you will have access to the juice that it is. So when you open, just open it lightly. Don't use too much force, otherwise it will spill over. Um, but that's okay. I'm grateful that we can still have communion in these times. So Paul, writing to the Corinthian church, says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, this is my body which is broken for you, to this, do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. That's what we're here today. By partaking, by being part of this communion service. We are proclaiming the death of our Lord Jesus Christ for us. So at this time, we will have uh, the blessings uh, for, for the bread and the juice. So I'll invite Lee to pray for the bread and Ivan will pray for the juice. Let's bow our heads. Dear Father in heaven, Thank you so much for sending your one and only son to this earth. 
to die a unimaginable death on the cross for our sins. This was a death that we deserved. So Lord, we can never, we can never repay this. But today, remembering the Last Supper, when Jesus spoke after giving thanks, he said, take this bread in remembrance of my body. Let's go ahead and take the bread. No? Okay. Just thank you so much, Lord, for this day, for this Easter Sabbath. Thank you for a, a good turnout today. And we just thank you in, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Father in heaven, we're just so thankful that we are here today and for the privilege of participating in this communion service. Father, we thank you for the, that plan of redemption that was laid out before this world was created, that Jesus, with Jesus' willingness to be the sacrifice for whenever sin came into any world, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love for us, and we thank you, Jesus, for your love in coming to this earth, for living, leaving the, those beautiful courts of heaven, for leaving your Father to come and live on this earth to show us the way, to show us to truly how to live, to show us the Father, his love, because it had been so distorted. Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross, for shedding your blood, for uh, cleansing all of our sins with your blood on the cross, Father, Jesus. And I pray that we will always remember the cross every day of our lives, and that we will always ask for forgiveness of our sins and invite your Holy Spirit into our lives so that we may be transformed into your image. Thank you so much, Jesus. I thank you again, Father. In the name of Jesus, I do pray. Amen. 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 So Jesus said, this is my body that was broken for you. He blessed it and then asked his disciple to eat. He said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup and said, this is my blood. It is the cup of the new covenant representing my blood. Drink from it.
The gospel tells us in Matthew 26 that after they had the Lord's Supper, they sang a hymn and they went to the Mount of Olives. We're going to close our service today uh, with a song and uh, we invite the praise team to come up and lead us in our closing hymn.